chart see through till the sun, boy, better stay calm, be cool. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to One SAF, One Step Away From Podcast. I'm Jay, your host for this evening. Um, I'd like to welcome you back, our viewers, our listeners, to the One Step Away From Podcast. So, today, we're going to be delving into the entertainment industry, and in particular, being black within the entertainment industry. So we're going to be touching on movies, TV shows, music and sports and really any form of entertainment and media where uh, black people are a part of um, and come into play in various roles. So, hope everyone is okay lads, hope everyone's cool. Yeah man, I'm well and good, ready to go. Yes sir. I'm going to jump straight into the first question. Does movies and music impact how we are seen and treated by the outside world? So from people outside of our culture, i.e. the black culture, either black American, black Caribbean, black African, is it music and movies that impact how people see us the most? So, I'm giving it short and simple. Sorry, Kate. Sorry, Kate. Short and simple, 100% yes. Go on, okay. Nice. Okay. Um, I do agree with that. I'm going to put a little bit more um, butter on the bread, shall we say? You know what I mean? You don't want the bread to be too dry. You know what I mean? So uh, I think it is, yes. Definitely agree with T100. Now, we have to look at how that impact is translated through from the music, movie, and sport field into people's minds. So we have to really delve deep into, first of all, what is the translator? Well, the translator is, what's tra- is, is what turns the, what, whatever is o- occurring on one side to something that you can digest on the other side. That's to translate, yeah? So we're looking now into entertainment. So what is translating the entertainment into our minds? It's items such as mobile phones, which is very, prob- very prominent in this world. Most people have mobile phones. Yeah, it's very rare you see someone who doesn't have a mobile phone. You can access and almost do anything on a mobile phone nowadays. Yeah, and, and you can view and, and see media and produce your own entertainment too. We have iPads, laptops, TVs. Most homes have TVs, right? That is another form of how media and entertainment can come into your home. Yeah, you're, you, it's almost like having, like we think we're secure because we lock the front door. But there's a door that's opening in your home 24-7. That's the TV. But we, we don't see it as that. Now, it's about justifying whether it is a positive reason to have the, the, that, that door, which is the TV, open, or if it's negative. And then we have cinema magazines, which are more external. You, you, you kind of go to them places and stuff like that. But there's applications as well, stuff like that. So now, now we're talking about how does it impact us? Well, it's quite simple for me. It is, yes, but how? It's marketing, isn't it? No matter how you see it, entertainment is marketing. It's showing you what you should be interested in. Quite briefly, before I pass it on, it is simply to make you change in terms of what you think you want into now you believe you need it. 
So something that you just want, okay, you want it, but it's not an essential. But the job of the person who controls the media, the entertainment, the marketing, is to make you believe what you want is now a necessity. So you now need it. So, so yeah, I do feel um, there is major impacts. Positive or negative is the argument. I guess we'll get into that a little bit more. And in terms of how we're um, treated by the outside world, yes, I believe there is an influence, which is the key word here, that can be made through entertainment. Perfect, perfect. I love that answer. Anybody else? Yeah, as a second, exactly what Kay said, just that, that we're definitely treated via the impact of the movies or the industry on how they're characterised, how they're depicted. Um, I think the assumption is that that's how the wider world sees us being. That's how we're portrayed. That's how we live our lives. So definitely, in a nutshell, yes. Big, big, big. M? Yeah, I um, I echo what everyone else has said. Um, it's, it plays a massive part. Um a massive part on all platforms, uh, even before, regardless of um, the advancements of technology, there's always been a medium uh, where we have been uh, portrayed um, and where it's been an impact to other people. So it goes way back. It goes way back, even from, uh, I guess, books. But as we get into the kind of modern, modern day, early cinema, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about maybe uh, later on, um yeah it's 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 building up a character and basically it's building up a persona uh of what we have to try and sometimes f- or feel that we and i guess a lot of people that listen feel that you have to fight against i know i do uh, going back to kind of our podcast last week um or maybe the week before so yeah in answer to your question i feel there's a massive impact yeah, yeah, I totally agree with with all all of you. Basically, um, I was uh, for this topic. I was doing trolling YouTube as I like to do, going down a rabbit hole, and I stumbled on a black culture in in Japan. And they were interviewing these people, and a lot of them say they got their understanding of black people through American movies. And you can see where, where that can be problematic for someone who's never met a black person, but their only knowledge of black people is through uh, American film. So they thought black people were scary, we were all drug dealers, we were violent, etc., 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 because that's all they've seen in these American movies on, on their side of the world. So, I mean, and that, definitely, yeah. Yeah, and that's quite, that's quite um, worrying um, if... Well, for example, if you were to do uh, a research document, do a, a dissertation, do anything that, you, that you're doing, market research or, or whatever, if you were to just use one form of data or one aspect of data and not look for any contradictory pieces of research to combat what you might have seen or you might have looked, looked at or you might have studied, then that wouldn't be a wholesome or balanced approach. It would be tailored. And if, it's, if you're saying, Jay, there, that it could be negative, or that it is negative because they're getting it from American movies, yeah, which I guess we'll go into a little bit later in terms of the connotations behind uh, what that can mean, um, then it will give them only a biased view. So then my question is, and this is rhetorical, I guess it is for the listeners out there, 
what impact would that have on how they would act when they meet a black person? If all they have knowledge of is what they have seen through American movies, which predominantly have given them a negative insight. Exactly. That's, that's what I thought about. Um, but do you think it's fair to say that these same music and movies, which is bleed into the next question, um, has an impact on how we see ourselves? Um, yeah, 100%. So the way I, I see it, um, going back to, to one of the, the points that was raised um, in terms of influence, like Kay was saying about the having these technologies in your house, TVs, mobile phones, iPads, Playstations, whatever else, having that influence does not only apply to other races, it also feeds into us. So when you see something repeatedly, whether it's negative or positive, that will influence you because it's in your face. Yeah. Bear in mind, most, most of these negative stuff that we see is portrayed by one of us, if you get my drift. Exactly. So my question is, the second question is, do you think, as general, obviously we're all individuals here, we have, we're, do you think in general, as a culture, as a race of people, we play up or we, we play up to these stereotypes, especially the negative ones that is portrayed in the media and entertainment industry? I think there's a, a major case here for self-fulfilling prophecy, whereby you're being fed all this imagery, um, video of a certain stereotype or a certain way of life um, being portrayed or being spoke about in the lyrics, being glorified. Um, I think when you're younger and your mind is more... I suppose more malleable in that malleable stage there you can absorb some of this these connotations and even subconsciously start to try and not maybe live that life but seek that life not knowing the full consequences of it and all the, all, all the fallout so i think yeah there is definitely the case of that okay okay yes so um just thinking about the negative stereotypes so we spoke about it in the previous podcast as well in terms of what is, I guess, expected from us in terms of society, uh, seeing us in uh, negative viewpoints and us having a pressure that we might feel we need to act in a certain way to be accepted to in order to succeed in society. We talked that around uh, in the employment industry. We talked around that um, in how that can impact children's uh, views on, on us. And then also if that same view is continuing into a, when you get a position of, of, of on power. So these negative types are in existence. That's the first thing to um, say. Now, how does that impact us as a people in terms of the society that we live in and the systems that play against us? So I, I've done a little look into uh, what is a what's called a social literature review. Um, this is done by the Opportunity Agenda 2011. The first point was negative associations, which are exaggerated. So this is a literature review of social media, yeah? And its impact on black men in particular. So it says that there are predominantly negative associations with, towards black men that are exaggerated within the media. So at one point it said that in terms of criminality, it talked about in the news, 
not only are we likely likely to appear as criminals, but also likely to be shown as threatening in comparison to white criminals. Yeah, so it's not that you're just a criminal, you're a threatening, aggressive criminal. So that is more perpetuated according to this study. Secondly, um, Bogle 2003, which is also uh, quoted within this study as well, states that there is a perpetual tradition of imagery of black inferiority in entertainment. This is particular with entertainment only. There's a perpetuation of traditional imagery of black inferiority. So we are shown in media, in entertainment, whether it's through music, sport or uh, movies, that we are inferior. Inferior in the terms of we don't get to succeed unless we struggle. And I guess that's going to go into the movies section of that. So I'm not going to step into that too much. But that's just some things to think about uh, in terms of what I saw within the social uh, literature review. Okay, great. That's that's some really interesting research you've done there. And yeah, I guess that really does speak to the, the stereotypes and the negative stereotypes and how that's being pushed. Uh, does anyone else have anything to say on? Um, do you think? 100%. Do you think we? Do you think we actually play up to these stereotypes to somehow benefit us, even the negative ones, or is it just generally actually our culture? Uh, a bit of both, I think. I think um, uh, allu- just alluding back to what uh, S was saying about a self-fulfilling prof- uh, prophecy, we. Uh, because this imagery has been imprinted into us. Remember, it, it was very rare. I remember growing up, my mum used to say, like, it was it was a rarity to see black people on TV. Um, so if you think about that mindset, like, growing up, and it, it was like an event if you did see someone to a point where it's oversaturated but um, exaggerated at the same time, um, we play up to it because it can be lucrative. Um, there's many studies or there's many videos out there that you can find where you can look into the music industry where people uh, expose what goes on behind the scenes to get music deals or to kind of do music videos um, what you have to do the certain things you have to do how you need to act because it's more lucrative like it it sells it sells so yes a lot of people from our culture um, if you call it that uh, will play into it. Um, it's in the UK, it's no different. Um, but that sometimes it spills off to into real life and then the uh, it all gets merged into one and then it just creates a drama, but I guess that's another podcast. Um, but we play into it based on exactly what uh, Kay said about kind of uh, the inferior inferiority where we have probably all grown up and seen uh, people looking like us. And let me just make it clear. Uh, there's stereotypes for every race 100%. in the media. Uh, let's, let's, not, let's not get it twisted, but obviously we're talking about for sure, for sure. us. Um, I looked into uh, a study or kind of like a, a data kind of capture for uh, like ho- uh, movies in Hollywood over like the last, since the 40s going on to present, present day. And one of the titles was um, called Blackface. Well, it says Blackface. So we all know what a blackface is when kind of people blacken their face in media, in movies to kind of uh, uh, mimic black people, but normally negatively. Uh, So 
that includes like minstrels and stuff like that. Um, so it says black faces decrease, but black characters still die first in Hollywood. So that's kind of like the headline. And then we done a, they done a, they done a study of uh, different aspects of uh, how black people are portrayed over the course over the course of the the most recent decades. Like I said, from the forties onto uh, present day. So in uh, for the viewers so this is this is an episode where i would suggest especially our pod uh, our spotify listeners and apple listeners um to maybe view this one on youtube so you can see some uh, visuals on this one because uh, i don't think i'll be able to do it justice uh so um it, yeah it talks about how things have changed so from the 40s um like in the 40s through to the 50s blackface was very common in media uh, and especially in Hollywood, but that slowly decreased because of social kind of acceptances and political correctness over time. That kind of decreased, but during that same time of a decrease, and during that time where more black people were viewed or seen in media, certain things increase. So just bearing in mind, blackface decreased, but whilst that was decreasing from the forties through to the sixties and seventies, more things increased, like uh the scary black man um the black the black dude always dying first uh there was like a constant flow of in movies as like the black best friend um the sassy black woman kind of I'm done. increased I'm done. increased <laughs> and um wow. but w- there was a steady uh a steady line and once again I'll put this in the visuals on the on the YouTube video of uh it says but not too black. So all these things. So as, as much as that we were, okay, a lot of us would have thought, okay, well, they stopped doing blackface now. So we're getting a bit of a reprieve, but actually what is happening is we were still being put, we're being put in Hollywood, but for the wrong reasons or at inferior in inferior uh, situations and environments. So like I said, the, the scary black man that just creates a sense of yes, in the movie, it might seem like they're uh, superior, but they're not because there's there's always going to be something to kind of battle that. If you if you're a scary black man, then the opposite is going to be there's going to be like a knight in shining, shining armor to kind of tame the black man, um, and that can link into the black guy always dying first. These are all things that we have all heard growing up, um, and there's been this this article which I will um, add the link in the description. They studied like uh, I can't remember what particular number, but hundreds of movies over or thousands of movies over like i said from the 40s onwards and they saw these trends so once again if you look at the visual as i'm speaking now you'll be able to see the visual uh of how these trends actually change but if all i'm seeing growing up is my people or my people that look like me die first or only being seen as sassy or scary um or just the the best friend but never the lead character unless it's a black exploitation film, which is another subject, um, you can understand why then if you, if that's all you see, then that's all you think, think that you can be. So then you will play into it. Can I just um, add, add a little bit on top of that? Em? Sure. Um, again, don't overlook these things that were just said here. Um, what I took from this, what I took, took from this listeners was this one. Then I have to ask the question. It only leaves me with this question. 
within media, movies, for example, the examples that MWO gave, gave there, there are script writers. People write the script. And within the script, there's a certain character or typecast that you want to play a certain role. Who is writing these typecasts and characters according to these stereotypes in order for these black uh, actors, male or female, to play? Then they have to come in and they have auditions. So whoever really plays this character, this stereotype, the best, and especially if you're well-known, even better. And then we're going to get you to sacrifice your own dignity. <laughs> sacrifice your dignity to live in a nice house. Most people would say, yeah, that's fine. To get a nice car, yeah. To move out of the ghetto, yeah. To have your luxuries. This is speaking to so much more than just what you are physically seeing on the screen. Understand this, listeners. Understand this, people. There is a process that occurs before you see that brilliant movie. Before that black man dies first. There's a process. Before that sassy black woman comes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All, all that crap. There's a process. Oh, they no, were... he didn't. Oh, stop. <laughs> stop. I'm imagining the hand on the hip as well and all that stuff. But anyway, and the head shaking too, but there you go. Um, but I guess no. all black women do that, right? According to the movies. Anyway. Um, so, so we, we, we like, I don't think we, sh- we can't, we shouldn't just brush over that actually, because we do no, need to, not at all. We do need to speak about, uh, especially the sa- the sassy black woman, because <laughs> of that that has had a, a strong impact. I, I know we kind of laugh about it when, but when you really deep it, that's had it's an pernicious impact. man. It's, it's pernicious. had a massive impact on our sisters, like to this day, to the black women out there, where even in employment and whatnot, because of these are the type of things that people are seeing has been pumped into us visually, audibly, like that's the perception you have. So when you've got a woman, uh, black woman coming for an interview, there's, there's already kind of a pretense that, oh, this person might kick off or they might be. So uh, listeners, we, we definitely will kind of get the thoughts and views of um, some of our, our black women because um that's that's one stereotype that has filtered through to real life where we're not the uh, black women are not getting equal opportunities if there's such a thing um or even a standing exactly. because because of the perception that oh because they're black yep. they're going to be fiery or sassy or deaverish um that's come my uh that's a lot of that has come from the media and and the fact that uh there's they, there's not a differentiation between when someone's actually just sh- strong in their convictions and not per, not someone that's just going to be walked over and someone that may have common sense um, in comparison to being sassy. Well, as soon as you say the word, the connotations of sassy, that's the, once again, you just, that becomes dismissive. You can, you can see that oh, there's a flaw in there. So I'm not going to take that person seriously because they've got an attitude. So that's very key to understand what media, especially entertainment does to our psyche when we're dealing with people that look like us in real life 100 brother um, I, I, I just want to say again just going back onto that subject around the process you will not hear a top music come sorry in the charts in the music charts and that you will not hear that it will not be in the charts unless certain people who you don't see who you don't hear of you will not see a movie in the cinema who you don't see and who you don't hear, who you don't hear of, they have to sign this off first. They have to agree. 
me and you, us here, us, us boys here, in One Step Away From, if we had a really good movie idea, guess what? We couldn't get it in the cinema in four months' time. Because you have to go through hoops. And if these hoops don't like what they see, they will suggest that you must change this, that, 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 and that, and that, before we will fund you. And that's the problem. But understand, there's a process before we see whatever we see. Because I agree with what you're saying. But to me, when, when I look at it, even the way we speak, like when we get these roles, it has to be a certain way. You know, just like we, we had this discussion before where someone saying Wagwan or whatever else slang they use is like, you're talking black. Mm-hmm. It has to be a certain way of dialect for you to be accepted in the role. And I remember I was watching a, an interview by Michael Jai White and he was talking about emasculinity in, in movies and how they try and emasculate you in regards of whether they will give you a role where you have to wear a dress or, or something just to show you where you are. And if you refuse, like he did in his interview, he said he didn't really get that far in many brother, people's eyes. Brother, that's deep, man. That's deep because I've, I've seen this just in my travels of doing normal viewership and research like this. I, I don't just look up and research things about my people and their impact just because of this podcast. This is what we've been doing. Listeners, we've been doing this for ages now. It's just that we've got a platform to actually, so you can hear us speak. And what you said there, T, has occurred. Just research, just, just look into the amount of actors and even musicians now that are influenced to dress a certain way, which as T said, or as Michael J. White said, as Michael J. White said, was to demasculate you, was to feminize you. That only brings me to one question, why? But, but also, but also that's, not just that's, that. That's another podcast, just saying. Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely another podcast. But also not just that. It also brings up another thing of what well, we've seen recently on someone that we've been talking about in our group. Um, we've been listening to on YouTube, this smearing campaign of people who refuse to do, to comply with these demands and go against the grain. They then say, okay, you're either with us or against us. So we're not just up against a situation of like, okay, you choose to do it or you don't and you're still fine. If you choose not to do it, guess what? We're coming after you. We slender your name, we'll fabricate some stories and we'll make it stick. 100%. And That's I can, I can... where... Sorry, carry on. Sorry, sorry. That's where, for me, it's most painful. It's, you can't even then leave me with my choice and do what I want. You still have control of how my life will be affected. If you know I've said, oh. listen, you want to give me 10 million? I believe my life and my sanity is worth more than 10 million. So I'm not willing to do that. But guess mm. what? Not only are you then going to say, okay, you don't want to take us off. Fine, go your way. Go somewhere else and do your thing. You're coming after me because I refused. Yeah. The prime example of that is Dave Chappelle uh, in recent yep. times. There you um, go. Bang, 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 bang. Yeah, but yep. with, with that, I will, once again, I, will, I will add in a um, link because there's a video about that, about the some of the most pr- prominent uh, 
black entertainers, comedians, actors. Um, I think it was maybe Cat Williams who the first video, but then he ended up actually wearing a dress. But um, yeah, they talk about how uh, it's all the prominent kind of black people that we know, like the Will Smiths of the world, the Kevin Hart's, um, all of those people um, at, at, at some point have had to kind of uh, be in a dress. Now you can look into that however however you want, but that is that's still information that I'll kind of attach um, because it's an interesting uh, video. Okay, okay. And uh, speaking to what T mentioned, especially with the control aspect, um, I wanted to read something to you guys. So, on some of you, I've talked about this before because I've read the book. But have you guys familiar, or are you familiar with the Travis Stock Institute? No, I'm not. No. Okay. So the Travis Stock Institute is also known the Travis Stock Institute of Human Relations is a British not-for-profit organization which applies social science to contemporary issues and problems. It was initiated in 1946 when it was developed from the Travis Stock Clinic and was formally established as a separate entity in 1947. So their headquarters is basically in London and what this is, it was formed by a group of psychiatrists, psychoanalysts, um, psychologists from all around the world, predominantly most of them European uh, Jewish people. So I'll leave it that. But there's people from India, Canada, and from the UK. And basically there's a book written by, sorry, there's a book written by Dr. John Coleman, it's called the Travistock Institute of Human Relations, shaping the moral, spiritual, cultural, political, and economic decline of the United States of America. So this group, uh, okay, first of all, let me put, some people will call John Coleman a, a conspiracy theorist, but as Kay mentioned in previous podcasts, when you hear conspiracy, doesn't mean you dis- have to dismiss everything he said. Within this 100%. book, he... Within this book, he mentions everything from assassination of American presidents to the the uh, crash of the stock market, all sorts of things. But in chapter thirty five of this book, I want to read you guys a excerpt and then hear your 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 thoughts on it. How to make you feel hearing this, right? So, in chapter thirty five of this book. He says, nowhere is my control, quotation marks, brainwashing of huge segments of the American public is so noticeable as it is in the music and entertainment industry. Decades later, misguided, uninitiated people still get angry with me. This is Dr. John Coleman speaking um, over the exposure of the Beatles as a Travis Stock project. So he talks about how the Beatles, the main writer for the Beatles is one of the head MI6 people. It's just weird. It's like it's basically one of the head MI6 people who's right actually writing the lyrics. So certain term- terminologies they was using psychology in music in terms of chords, note progression, uh, lyrics, patterns to to brainwash people. This is what he was claiming, right? So go back to it. Um, now I fully expect the same people to tell me that they know all about the history of the Beatles, that that they are musicians and I am not, to question the following. Did you also know that rap music 
is also another Travis Stock program, so is hip-hop. As inane and idiotic as the words may sound, these were crafted by the technician in the mind control and behavior modification section so that they would fit in and become an integral part of Travis Stock's gang wars programs for America's major cities. The chief purveyors of this music, and indeed all so-called rock and pop music, are, and then the names of all the record labels, Time Warner, Sony, Sony, Bertelsmann, EMI, which is in the UK, uh, and a Capital Group, and a whole list of others. What, what do you guys think about that, hearing that? Wow. Not I've surprised. got a question. I've, I've got all. a question. Yeah, no surprise there at all, man. Um, when we listen to music, how do we react? Say, uh, let's, let's pick a random... the type of the music. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. a very let's, ambiguous question. Let's pick a random genre, yeah? Let's say you listen to UK Garage. I want to skank out on the dance floor and dream myself. Yeah? Now... Let's say we'll, we'll probably haven't listened to this, but if we go heavy metal, I used to go indie nights. Uh, <laughs> our emotion would would our emotions be the same? No, that's what I'm trying to get. Definitely. No, I think it's, it's this connection, isn't it? It's a if you're into that, then yeah. But like me personally, the connection's not not necessarily there. Maybe it goes back to what um, Jay was saying about the rhythm and the rhymes and how that will, will speak to you personally. Exactly. So what I'm trying to get at is this. Every genre of music dictates how we react emotionally. Whether it be UK Garage, R&B, jazz, it depends what mood you get into. So if music has got that much power to change your, your mood and also behavior, why wouldn't they exploit it? Why wouldn't they use it Exactly. To, f- to further the agenda. Because like you said, if you hear UK Garage, you, you know, you're jump up and down and you're skanking, you're doing this. Now, who remembers when um, uh, Pow came out? Little B. Yep. Right? Luck off. <laughs> yeah, everything luck off. Remember they got banned from Club happen. Boy. They got banned. Exactly. Why? Because it influenced us to, to go on a crazy one, we're on a madness. So if you're someone who's got a hidden agenda and you watch that, you think, okay, so I can influence these people to do certain things by what they listen to. Why wouldn't they exploit hip hop? Why wouldn't they exploit... The... Yeah, carry on. Apologies. Why wouldn't they exploit the, the new single we've heard, I, I hate so much, I have to say what? Why wouldn't they use that to, to exploit yep. their own agendas? Of course. Come on. Even movies, same thing. You see Denzel Washington playing... Um, training Day. American Gangster or Training Day or... Yeah. And do you know, funny enough, with Denzel Washington, he only won an award after he played a negative Thank you very much. Role. <laughs> Thank you very after much. I'm about to drop that, movies. but I'm glad you did. After all his brilliant movies where he was a positive black man, he only won his Oscar or whatever it is for playing a crooked black policeman. For playing the stereotype. He, he won, he, he got, brother, 
that's that's what, what do you do that if if you have a child and your child does something that you want them to undo what do you do you 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 reward them you re, you give them positive rewards right it don't have to be something physical but you might say well done if they if they do something bad what what, what do you do he played the the black man so well yeah they gave him an award for it he played the stereotype <laughs> of a black man so well that he got a positive outcome from it I don't know what to say. So maybe this whole podcast doesn't need to happen. <laughs> maybe you can be one step away from positive outcomes by doing negative things. Wow. That's another podcast. Good night, everyone. That was nice knowing you. We don't condone those thoughts. And like in that tra- in that book, I would advise people if you get the time to read that book. They talk about not only the music industry; they talk about um, social economic uh, situations, the you know the experimenting of the ghettos, etc., like that. And they also talk about it's it's based in America, but the the headquarters is in the UK. So take from that what you will. <laughs> um, Jay, uh, can I just uh, add a little bit on top of that? Um, this sure. is this is just because uh, you what you said there acted as like a little catalyst to bring forth some old information. Um, and I think some of you don't remember me speaking about this, but I, 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 I done some now listeners and one step away from stay with me here, stay with me on this journey. Yeah. Etymology. Have you heard of, of, of that term? Yes. Yeah. Words. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Words, it's the study of words, the study of words and really going back to the root of the, of the word. Yeah. Going back to its origination, where did it originally come from before it came to be what it is now? The word magic, the word magic plays so heavily in what you just spoke about there, Jay. The, in, the use of sure. noise and sounds and words to influence and control people. Brother, hear this, yeah, hear this. Magic, in terms of its definition, I'm just going to read the brief definition of it. We have the modern term, which you see in Harry Potter, for example, and such. But what is really going on in movies like Harry Potter? Power is being exerted and created out of what? Words. The power is doing what? It's influencing something, whether negatively or positively. And it's conjuring power. And the power is being directed towards whoever you want to influence. Whether it's the death spell, you point it towards and you cast and you say a verbal rendition to cause that power to, in, to, in, in, to influence whatever you're directing it at. Magic is the art of influencing and how is that influence done? By words. Understand there's power behind mm. words and magic is not That's something all, ma- all magical that we see in Disney films and all stuff like that. That's just putting a little spin to it so it's entertainment. But there's an actual original term of what magic is. And there, and there are people called magi and the mages who would always advise uh, kings and, power, and powerful men be their right-hand man and they would be the adv- advisors. Yeah, they would influence by talking and advising words, people, words. And they would direct them words towards whoever they wish to influence. So it wasn't really the king or the Lord running that whole land. It was the person advising them. Understand that, people, man. Understand that. Words words are definitely, and put certain words together in sentences and they can act as quote-unquote spells. But 100, 100, 
One hundred. If I if 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 someone calls you a certain word or a certain name, yeah, that you might not like, that could influence you to react in an aggressive fashion. You've just been influenced by his words. He's just used magic on you. You don't know it though, because you're under the spell. Listen, uh, I agree. Break that and down, people. Break that down, man. Break and, it's deep. Um, it's deep. As uh, as recent as probably a few hours ago. Um, and for those that don't know or people that know me, they know uh, how much of a uh, Michael Jackson fan I am. And I came across a video today uh, where it exposed some of his lyrics on some of his most popular songs. And it talks about kind of the fact that because you are a fan and whatnot, you may actually, you may potentially be under their spell by uh, not actually really deepen what's being said. Um, but once again, yep. that's another, another link that there'll be a lot of links on this one, guys. <laughs> yeah, there's good um, But yeah, that one hit me hard. And obviously I'll have to do more research because there's always, you have to look at the agenda that whatever video that you watch tries to push. But if you can kind of cut through that and still have an open mind and still think, hmm, then that's, that's all we ask. That's all we ask for our viewers to kind of just have an open mind. And I've got an open mind. So even as someone is as strong of an influence like that, I can still go actually... Yeah, when I listen to that, but that's a whole nother story. So words are very powerful. And even sometimes it's not even, uh, it's words that are being used that just go over your head. Yep. That is that is even more uh, worrying because they can be words that are, are repeated or just kind of sung flippantly. And the words that's or, picked up by the, the you're more talking to the, sub, the words that are absorbed by your subconscious as well. Yeah. Yep. They're, they're definitely... Could be more damning to, to the to this human psyche, man. So I, I guess I guess wrapping it up as well in terms of the magic side of it and the power that comes from words and the influence. And what I'm trying to say is this: what I earlier said around the TV being in your home, you are constantly being influence is constantly being cast out from that TV, and you're and you're in this directional path because you're sitting in front of it when you're on your mobile phone. You are being cast out, or sorry, or influence is being cast onto you, and it's in your direction. Same with laptops and any form of media, down to newspapers and books. As soon as you open that book, words are coming out, and then words are going to influence what you think, whether it's going to be right or wrong, or whether it's going to be true or false. It's it's so. Deep it, man. You have to deep this stuff, man, because this is being used in a pernicious fashion. When we talk about negative stereotypes, the stereotype has to be heard, right? Like, someone can't be born in the world without no knowledge and suddenly get to know that there's stereotypes for certain people of cultures. They have to learn that. What's the most likely chance that I'm going to I'm learn that from? From something which is accessible to probably most people in the in entire world? Media. Nice. Listen, can I? I need to jump on on what Kay said. Yeah. Um, oh, man, I don't think a lot of people got exactly what he said. It's powerful, man. Like, let's take media for example. So, a couple of months ago, I had to unfollow a few pages that I was following on social media, and really look at myself. And the reasons why I was following those pages. Simply because I found myself sometimes, even though I'm quite 
strong-willed and strong-minded in terms of if I've got an opinion on something, that's that. That's my opinion and I, I go with it. But sometimes you start to find yourself being swayed by the mass views that you see on, say, a controversial subject comes up and then you go in the comment section and then you see the majority, their views are completely, completely, completely different to what you have. And then you start to look at yourself and think, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Because everyone else seems to think this way. Jeez, that's so right. That is actually so right. How many times have we had it? Even from the, the simplest stuff of uh, views might be in relationships or whatever else, you see things and then comments. Everyone's like, no, 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 it's this, it's that, it's this, it's that. And you start to think, well, I'm, I'm the minority here now. That means I'm wrong. So all I'm saying is I want to echo the point Kay said. Be careful what you digest. 100%. You have to be careful. Can I just give a little example as well? Because um, I, I can't help but... I, I, this, this nail needs to be banged in the coffin to the point you can't even see it, bro. It's just gone. It's just gone from... Have you ever... This is just a rhetorical question once I am again. Obviously, if one of you lot have, jump in, say a piece if you want to. But have you ever... Because I have... Have you ever done something that you have not wanted to do, but you've done it based on someone else persuading you to? Mm. And you kicked and yourself it, after because you didn't <laughs> want to do it, but you've done it because they influence you to. And it always backfires. It always backfires. That is what I mean by... That's just another example of this magic, this art of... Remember... The meaning is, of magic is the art of influencing by words. That's why you hear spells get cast out. You hear the wizard or the magi say something before something happens. If not, they do it by their mind. That's a different level. That's a different level. But on the basic level, they use words. And you end up getting influenced to do something that you know in your deep down subconscious you shouldn't be doing. But you do it anyway because you got convinced. It's the same with business deals. There's negotiation. That's one person trying to influence another person to take their deal and the other person trying to influence them to change their deal. So it benefits both parties, hopefully. That's the art of influencing. You're negotiating. There's so many different forms of magic that's being used. And I don't want people to think that when I use the word magic, I'm talking beautiful little, oh, pink little flames coming out of a wand and all stuff like that. I'm talking about the words that is influencing the reality. So, yeah, that's really good. I, I really, um, I agree with, with everyone's views. I think we're not really taught about the power, of, the power of words, which is influence, which could influence how we act, uh, how we think, and how others think and act as well, especially towards us. And especially when it comes to, to negative stereotypes. Um, Quick question for the group. Who like who likes football? I'm partial to a bit of football, mate. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's me. Okay, no, so... Did, no, the, no, did, no, <laughs> did no. anyone manage to catch the the PSG Marseille game on Sunday? Yes. No, yeah. I didn't catch the game. I've seen the highlights and, and the full so, out, should we say. So, I'm going to read this. This is from, I believe it's The Guardian. 
French, French Football Federation president Noel Legret, or Great has suggested that racism does not exist in football following Neymar's accusations towards Marseille defender Alvaro Gonzalez. Neymar was sent off at the end of PSG's 1-0 defeat to Marseille on Sunday, which ended with a brawl between the two sides that saw Brazil star strike Gonzalez in the back of the head. So, I think we all know that racism is... Uh, it's nothing new to, to, to sport, especially football. Um, have it in American football as well. Uh, we see it all across the board. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to read a statistic to you. Uh, there are more than 150 football-related racist incidents were reported to the police last season. That's the 2019 season. Home office figures show a rise of more than 50% on the year before and more than double <clears throat> from three seasons ago. So you have a football federation president, right, saying that Racism doesn't exist, but yet the statistics of incidents reported to the police has more than doubled in the last three seasons of football. All right. My question to you guys, yeah, is what keeps us playing for these organizations, these teams, when on the whole they clearly don't support us because if they really did support us a lot more would be done to to tackle racism in these sports okay okay so football was stepping into my territory um, my realm my gene my realm what's what stops us from why are we because we're good at it first and foremost we're doing something that we're good at just like other sports or most sports um and this might come across uh, both for whatever, but a lot of sports, a lot of mainstream sports, it seems to be, and this might be a stereotype in itself, but it's also factual, um, that we dominate a lot of physical sports. It's uh, a uh, fact. We don't even need to name him. This, I'll tell you what, this, uh, this YouTube video is going to be a very visual one. Um, football, football, football. This happens from the highest level to grassroots. I've I even I've been uh, subject uh, to it from a grassroots, from a coaching standpoint, um, as a volunteer. Now, um, this football, as such, there are, are other sports, but in the UK, football is the national sport uh, of the UK. So, um, it's been going on for years um in terms of being accepted um this is this could be a whole other podcast in itself racism has always been in sport but especially in football um if you look at football from a, like a terrorist point of view and a ter- like the crowd uh you have to understand football started in this country before there was a lot of uh black people in the country if you kind of connect that with uh the wind rush generation etc so us being around the large stadiums or stadia crowds, arenas and whatnot uh, wasn't uh, as common as as it is now. Still not as common uh, if you go further up north, but uh, especially around the inner city areas or urban areas as, as such, um, it's becoming more, more common to see people 
of color in stadiums, etc. Now, uh, there was a, a documentary done by uh, Ian Bright called Out of Their Skin. I think that was on ITV or I believe where he went through history of prominent black footballers that experienced a lot of racism and how it's actually just gone on through generations. Um, but it's been done in different ways in this, uh, YouTube video or in this recording, um, I will attach just the amount of social media abuse that modern day footballers get from Paul Pogba uh, Rashford, Sterling, like the list, we can go on and on and on. Um, football's a national sport. Uh, it's Racism has always been there. And then we have to ask why. Okay, especially when you're throwing race, racial abuse to the team that you say you support. There's some, there's some psychology there where you'll cheer when they score. But other than that, they're still you still recognize them as black or an opposition or you want to be hateful to, towards them. The the beauty of all of this and racism in sport, that should really be another podcast. But the beauty of all this is that if you look at the England national team set up, it's, to say, to say it kind of bluntly, it's, it's getting blacker and blacker each year. Um, so I really feel for these kind of really strong patriotic like people that don't want to see... Uh, people of color playing football because the numbers don't lie. I looked at. Sorry, the last... sorry, I've just interrupted you. Forget the English, the French, where this conversation all started from. The French <laughs> team. <laughs> How black are they in that French team? <laughs> well, that's that goes into my point, but just from a UK standpoint, uh, because the media likes to put coverage on it, but they like to spin it in their own way where it's not too bad. Um, the last. Uh, six seven world cups like there's never been so in a world cup squad uh so that's like the highest pinnacle of football sport in world cup like you would take 23 men to go to whatever world cup it is like you have a squad of 23 um since 1990 we didn't england didn't qualify for 1994 but since 1990 so world cups every four years there's never been more than 10 people or 10 people of color in the national team uh for for each world cup uh, not in, not, not, in 1990, there was only three. In 1998, there was four. 2002, there was nine people of colour. 2006, there was seven. 2010, there was eight. 2014, there was six. 2018, which is only a couple of years ago, there's 11. So you can kind of see there's a, a, a steady rise in more players, uh, black players in the, in the national sport. Uh, another big shock to the system for a lot of people is um, I watched a video uh, from Kieran Dyer, who's he's an ex-footballer, a uh, black footballer, and he's he's been involved in a lot of coaching. And he says that uh, two-thirds of the England under-19s uh, football setup are black. Two-thirds. So in ten years' time, oh. you can kind of you can kind of see where you, you can look at it now. You can look at the under-21s. They literally played last week. You see how many people. So what I'm trying to say is for those that really attend or don't like what they see on the football field, it's only at the moment, it's looking like it's only going to be more frequent and common. So you're going to have to deal with it, but we will have to deal with this people. These racists or racism is not going to die out quick. That's not, you can't just switch it off and that's all going to be that people will die hard for 
what their beliefs and just not wanting to accept us. But it derives from going back to kind of, and I'll wrap it up, but racism started, um, once again, it can be through media as well. But I remember doing like a uh, a psychological kind of research when I used to do sports studies about uh, in the, from the early 60s or 70s, black players what you you would never you wouldn't see too many black players play in positions what which they would call the study would call of uh influence or uh control so playing as central defenders or central midfielders you wouldn't really see that back in the early days when black people were playing it's, it's either they're like the attacking uh positions strikers or wingers uh, because it was deemed that we didn't have the brain power, basically, to be in positions of organisation, which would be like central defence and central midfield. That was the stereotype. Wow. That was the stereotype. The study. I'll, I'll try and find a study on oh, that, wow. um, or I'll try to find the study on that. But that was the perception of black pe- black people in football that uh, they can't play in those kind of central areas where it, you you're deemed to be more responsible. So those things play into the minds, and I guess because of uh, a lot of black people's uh, athletic ability, I'll oh, just put them up. I've even been through that, like put them up front. They'll run onto it because they're really fast and whatnot. We weren't trusted to play in these positions where you can kind of dictate a game as much. Um, but once again, I'll add that link in there. So we do it in answer to your question, Jay, we keep playing these sports and there's those other sports because we're good at it. It's just the fact that I don't think other people and other cultures mm want to fully kind of just say you know what you're really good at that and when i say other people and other cultures i mean kind of collectively like as a a nation like there's still a reluctance to admit our greatness in my opinion that is very that's quite insightful man i didn't even know a lot that's a lot that's that's crazy to even think that that's how they thought Going, I guess that's in that's in the near past. That that wasn't that long ago that they yeah. had these thinking of black players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but my 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 concern with this is, like you said, Dems, about they pick and choose when to be racist. When you score, all your best of friends. When you have a bad game, you're now subjected to racism. It, not only does it show that racism is not going to go, we know it's not going to go straight away, but it's conditioned to the core. Because if you have an ill feeling towards me and the first thing that pops in your mind is to be racist, that's a situation. I agree. Yep, 100. There's also another example. We'll take the England cricket team. Um, you guys remember Monty yep. Panasar? Um, there's a plethora of players that can go through. You've got Monty Panasar, Butler, Kevin Peterson, Jeffrey Archer now, Chris Jordan. Um, they're all not... Owen Morgan, who's the one-day captain, they're, they're not originally English. In Jeff Joffrey Archer's case, he was picked up in the West Indies. He's from Barbados. So he was picked up in the West Indies to come over here and learn his trade being a cricketer. And um, they saw him as a potential. They saw that he was a talented bowler, a fast bowler. And um, he got on an, what they call it, like an accelerated course. So that, for, therefore, he could become a British national. And then he can play in the English, in the England setup. So going back to Monty Panasar, he was probably like a revelation back when he first came into, into the um, England setup. 
and then his form dropped. He had a few personal issues, and then after that, he was vilified, absolutely vilified for for everything that he did. And in, in the grand scheme of things, it's not anything that any normal human being would would go through. Everyone has their ups and downs, but he was never back. He was kind of left and lost. Then you've got other cricketers that have had troubles with maybe alcohol, um, drugs, women, um, domestic violence, something like that, that have been back. And they have been like, given another chance. And, and you have to sit back and ask yourself the question as, as to why. Now, I'm not going to sit here and play the race car all the time, but, 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 but why is that? Like, Joffrey Arch, they are learning now around Joffrey Arch because he's struggling to fit into the cultural aspects of England, I suppose. But they've they've learned over time to give him the buffer to, to like to speak to him instead of just you know acting on his actions and to try and give him a chance. So maybe there is maybe maybe somewhere in there some little part of of the industry is starting to learn. But is that learning coming from the fact that these players being in the England squad are making England England better? England lost their first one day series in four years. This yesterday. So, do you know what I mean? I'll leave that one there for this is without one sinking for a piece, but is there momentum or is there not? Big, big man. Um, sorry, Jay. Go, on, go. go on, go on, go on. Yeah, um, that was that was insightful. Um, talking about sport here, of course. I'm hearing a pattern. Um, I can't stand football, by the way, but I understand that my people play it so therefore I'm interested in that aspect alone of it um I don't even watch football I don't even know too too tough about football or anything but I have seen banana skins get thrown onto the pitch I have heard monkey chants from the audience and I don't even watch the game but I know about it in the UK yeah so whatever you lot are saying I'm completely backing it because I've seen and heard it I don't even watch the sport and what's also pernicious about another thing is once you take something, um, example, what S said, where they sourced a good cricket player from the Caribbean and brought them over to England, signed them up, made them a national. Now you're playing for England, who then ends up playing against the Caribbean. You see what they're doing there? They're getting, they're sourcing someone from another country, bringing them to England to make them one of theirs. To make their team successful. That's that's the so which makes them more money, gets them more sponsorships, gets them more games, gets them more trophies. Yeah, you see what they're doing it. And then once they sign you up onto their team, guess what you can't do? You can't go back and play for your national country. Cause you signed up to England now. <laughs> yeah. So once England gets rid of you, <laughs> you're done. You're you you are a talent and you're done. You see, there's a level to this thing, man. There's a level to this thing that we're not seeing. We just see a player playing one year, not playing next year. New player comes in, and round and round we we go. But there's something more darker going on here, man. I'm serious about that. The, but answering back into the sorry, go ahead. No, go for it. But answering back into the question now, in terms of why do we carry on in this field? Why do we carry on working for these people, doing these things when we know there's an underlying hate for us, but there's a want for us because we can make money and because they can get entertained by us. 
laugh at us, enjoy us. Yeah? Now, I look into the aspect of what is being offered. What is being offered is this so-called dream of you're going to get a better life. That's what is really coming out of all this, isn't it? No matter what field you go into, sport, music, media, movies, magazines, whatever you want to go into, the real outcome is that you are only wanting a better life. And certain people can offer you certain things that can help you achieve that quicker. Now, that will come at a sacrifice, but I won't go into the sacrifices. What I want to say is this. This is how much we have to fight AM against in terms of our mentality and in terms of what we can offer to steer people who are talented away from these media outlets that are, that are translating the image of us into things which are of negative stereotypes. So, for example, according to a website called uh, Statist Statista, uh, I looked at the global pro pro projections of certain companies uh, which has influence. Um, this is just over the United States and Canada. This is in 2019. Sorry, 2020. This is the, the pro projected global uh, media market value. So we have Walt Disney Studios. They contribute to 33.5% of, of global entertainment and media market value. We have Warner Media, who contribute to 13.9% of global entertainment and media value. Next, we have Sony Pictures, who owns, who earns around 12.1%. And then we have NBC Universal, who owns 11.5%, and finally Viacom CBS, which owns 5%. This is just a global. There's loads more, of course. I'm looking at the top hitters. I'm looking at the top hitters here. Uh, just a quick thing. Three of those four companies you mentioned were also mentioned in the Travis Stock Institute where I read earlier. Oh, oh, really? Strange, that isn't it, how we are do, doing independent, separate research, but it's all tying up to one central point. Strange, that. It's almost like there's a message. Anyway, so now look at what we're competing with. Can independent black institutes offer what these companies, these top hitters can offer? You bloody well can't. The average value for in 2020, the projected value for the entertainment and media market value in 2020 is 2.3 trillion US dollars with a 11.6% growth yearly just by the internet alone. That's not, it's not, that's not including anything else. Just by the internet, I, I am loan. 2.3 trillion will be improving by 11.6 every year just by the internet. This is what is steering a lot of us into that direction because our mindset is that we want money because money means better life. And this is what we've got to understand at what cost. If the cost is, I've got to play the stupid little black man now, man. But as long as I get a nice house, then that's Whoa. cool. As long as, as long as I get a nice house, it's cool. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm going to be a drug dealer. I'm going to be running around shooting guns and popping all this. If I get a nice house, then it's cool. That's not me in my real life, but I'm willing to do that and give away my integrity to get a better house at the expense of what? 
what Jay said earlier about the people in Japan knowing about black culture, only seen as negative stereotypes. That's the ex- expense. That's the sacrifice. It won't hurt you, individual successful black man who's willing to sacrifice your own identity for money. It won't hurt you. It will hurt those you can't see who are of your nation. Now, how do we get out of this circle? This circle of control. Yeah, because it's, con- it's control. It's control. It's about can we compete? Are we able to compete with these people? The answer is no. If the answer is no, then, then the, then the question isn't about can we compete, is it? It's about understanding we have to have less to have more. I'll say that again. Understanding we have to have less to have more. That's what I'm saying on that. I, that last statement, I agree with 110%. However, I have to slightly disagree with you there, my brother, about we can't compete. I would change a no to not yet. Okay. Not yet. We're not there. We're not in the same league. I like However, going with that T. I like that still. We, there has to be pioneers that will lead the way and report back to what they found with something that hasn't been done for our people. Right? The cricketer, sorry, I forgot his name now. Um, he came from um, Barbados, came over, they used him. And then when it was time for him to go, he went. Yeah? They got rid of him. Now, what I would have liked is for him now to say, right, my people, this is what they do. Let me now educate you so that you don't fall for the same trick. There are companies that are doing that, like Rock Nation, I was looking them up. They're doing that now. You know, they're managing athletes. They're going into entertainment industry and everything else. But we need more of that. So that's what I'm saying. We change that no to not yet. Not yet. I I definitely like that. I like the sound of that for sure. Yeah, I was just thinking, um, it seems to be like a trend when it comes to this topic, especially in sport. Obviously, it happens in music and film actors as well. But sport has a special place when it comes to this type of discrimination that people face so for example you uh, Colin Kaepernick the NFL player who who took a knee uh, while the national anthem was playing he suffered he lost everything he pretty much lost everything because he took a knee Um, and he still hasn't been he still can't play in the NFL today not he can't play no no team will take him Um, uh, most recently uh, Rashford has been facing some backlash. I think there was a it, it, uh, when he's talking about is it free school meals or getting school meals for children? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're on, you're on. And and he got some backlash from some journalists and started talking about single parents and all sorts of discussion. Well, that horse, yeah. Katie Hopkin. No, no, no. Was it even yeah. her? Uh, that's her at the start. But her that's her as well. Her at the start. Yeah, she started. Name, yeah, David David Vance or something like that. David, yeah. Uh, he had he had some choice words to say. That's what happens, Jay. Um, that's what happens. Like 
we what I've observed in my 32 years of living is that you can only get to a certain status you can't mm-hmm. get to you can't get too big like listen boys listen to this like just these are just a few names like first, I've got two, I've got two angles where I'm coming from uh Christie Raheem Sterling John Barnes Tessa Sanderson Derek Chisora Dillian White Chris Eubank Mo Farah what have they all got in common Black. They all they all represent athletes in black. They're all athletes in sport. Yeah, and the but they, they they all represent the UK. But none of them were born in the UK. Yeah. No, but we but we still feel so us trying to be that nation that just tries to be the nice guys, even though other mediums portray us as the scary black guys. Yeah, we we represent the flag and whatnot and we're not there were a lot of these guys not even well all those names i mentioned weren't even actually born in the uk born in the uk but they still wow. like even people like you uh Linford christie like the the public turned on him a little bit like with the whole uh wow. steroid stuff and like that my point yeah, is yeah. there was a, there was a situation a few years ago when we all know how big mo farah is to the british public apparently uh mm. But that still, when he there was a situation where he um, he suffered racism at an airport. So it doesn't matter how big you are, how even if you get a knighthood or an OBE or an MBE, if you get too big, or it, is it your color will still shine greater than your achievements. And even to present day, like you mentioned, Rashford, Lewis Hamilton, Anthony Joshua. All of recent times, like these are supposed to be national treasures, national heroes. Uh, they there's always some type of negative press. Uh, once these guys, in my opinion, this is my opinion, once they get to a level, a a, a prominent position, um, and they can get all the little, like I said, OBEs, MBEs, and whatnot, but still, your skin color will shine greater than your in a well, maybe not shine is the right word, but they'll shine greater than your achievements. Because there's not an acceptance. There's the, you, you can't just sit there and clap and go. You know what? They're really good. There has to there has to be a a side. There has to be a mark on your name. But that goes across all media. It goes across all sports. If we were to expand it even more, Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, Kobe, all these people. This sport. Yep. We're just talking about sports here. There's always there's always a scandal yep. next to their name. Always. Always, and then you, if you, ex, if you then expand even further to entertainment, we the the lists are too great. Uh, even and not that I condone, but let's use Bill Cosby as an example, like from an entertainment mm-hmm. standpoint. What some of the things that he may have done in his past, yes, you have to say are wrong, but put him in the same bracket as what's his name, Weinstein or whatever. Yeah. Who, who, who's had who, Jimmy Savile, Jimmy Savile, and all that? Who got who? Who in terms of like backlash? In terms of just def well, not defamation. That's the wrong word. But actual like character assassination. Assassination. Who suffer? Who suffers more? Yeah. In these situations, sure. they did. They did vilify uh, the media. Did make Crosby out to be much more worse than they made Weinstein to be out. Or even and sorry, I know I'm drifting on for, off from sport, but. Let's let's just kind of let's just like intensify this now, boys. Because it is about being black. 
because uh, another example, the guy that made the film um, Birth of a Nation, Nate Parker. Yeah. Uh, that was that film should have been bigger than what it was. But what happened as the, he was releasing that film, a scandal came out by scandal by an, by an accusation that of of him and a female like way back. That wasn't when he was. I think he was wasn't guilty of something, but. That came out in the news at the time where this birth of the nation. If any, if you haven't seen it, definitely see it, um, because it's shoe and uprising of black people in a film. Obviously, it didn't last too long, but once again, scandal. It's, it's there to be seen. Like I know we're kind of using different aspects of of the world and society to come, but it's it's the same thing, guys. Like let's just nah, let's, 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 say, let's just say how it is. Being sport media, like I said, like even though the question was circ- cir- circulated around sport, but why do we continue going to these record labels that basically have us in contracts and have us making music that portrays a certain negative stereotype? Do you get know what I'm saying? Why do we keep going to these film studios and taking these jobs in certain roles and getting less paid than our counterparts, but yet the movie grosses more than what the uh, of a race or the white equivalent would be. Do you know what I'm saying? Why do we continue going to these organisations? But like K and T alluded to, is you can't compete, not yet. That's why you've got to someone like Tyler Perry who took, who took his money and built his own film studio. Listen, I've got some stats on that. I was looking at that today. Um, Forrest Whitaker is another one. So his net worth is thirty million. Yeah, his net worth is thirty million. Right. Bear in mind, he's an actor, producer, and director. Yeah, but one of the highest gross that he ever made was two point eight three billion. Right, but his net worth is thirty mil. Wow. Can you see the difference there? Uh, Make sense of that, please. So what, what I mean by is what he got paid. You got to earn the rights, bro. Against, against what the, the gross of the, the, the top movie he made. Can you see the difference? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's... Right. So you've got him. You're still a you've, slave, man. You're still a slave. You've got Morgan Freeman. You know, he's one of the, for me anyway, he's a pioneer. Right. His net worth is 250 million. His gross is 4.522 billion. You're talking big numbers here. That's mad. He should at least have a, a like one bill, one billion. Exactly. exactly. One bill for <laughs> Exactly. Then my favorite, Samuel Jackson, 220 million net worth. His gross is 5.753 billion. Nah, he's been in the game for the longest as well. But... Right? Then we bring in wow. Denzel. So all my these man. guys really, their, their, their cap is in the region of 250. Denzel is 220. Samuel 220. Morgan 250. Then you've got, obviously, Will Smith 350. So none of them really go above, let's just say, 500 mil. But when you put them together combined... They made billions. Yeah. Billions yeah. of dollars for these people. That's the key point. That's the uh, key but point. They don't get 
what they deserve. Right? Mm-hmm. But then, uh, the way I look at it, back to my point, what I said earlier about not yet. I also have to say, we need to take some sort of accountability on this. Yes. Say, okay, if we all then joined, Forest Whitaker is an actor, producer, and director. Yep, Most yep. of these people, Morgan Freeman, actor, producer, director, right? What's stopping them to come to the table and say, listen, we can start our thing. We can now recruit black actors, guide their careers, tell them where all the, the flaws are in the system so we can build something. That's where we need to now change to no, we can't compete to not yet. Because once we take away one thing that they have over us, they will not be able to compete. The tables will turn on their heads. Because like you said, we dominate sport. 100%. We dominate... Why why, why can't we create our own leagues, our own football leagues, our own cricket leagues, our own cricket They they will never let that happen. But what I mean by is we'll say, okay, do you know what? Pay us what we're worth. Mm. Right? Now you're you're moving on to the Joe Budden era kind of speech. Yes, exactly. But it's it's easier said... I I was going to say, man, there's a lot of complexities in that, man. But it's easier said than done. It's easier said than done. Because we... we, we, motivate people, though. The the amount of work that's got to be done can demotivate people. I I agree, boys, but there's, there's no victory without sacrifice. Let's get this straight. Yeah, 100%. A a long journey starts by one step. Right? That's where we start. Yes, it may demotivate people. Yes, what we need to understand now is what we're building now is not for us. Let's get that in our heads. What we're building is not for us. The moment we come to that conclusion, our life will be better. It's not for us. It's for the next generations. They're never going to see... The, the, the benefits of what they start. But guess what? Their, peop- their grandkids, their race will see it. Just like, let's be real, if we go back in history, the British history went around, pledged all the countries, minerals, you name it, everything else. Who's reaping the benefits now? Not us. Their generations. Their generations. Their future yeah, let's generations. Call it, yes, the ones let's who call didn't- it. I didn't do that, but I didn't do this, but you're but still you're benefiting. The benefits, but you're reaping the benefits. <laughs> so That's we serious. need to have the same mentality as they. I'm not saying let's go out there and do that. What I'm saying is let's start something with the agenda fully on it's not for us. Yeah, for I do. I need to, for me, just for clarity, um, there needs to be balance in that mindset. Um there has to be balance. I know what we're tr- when we're talking like that. We're talking about in terms of what future generations can kind of have, but we still need to have, like for no for me anyway. Uh, in terms of what I am trying to represent, there's a balance of kind of just living in a more kind of comfortable way, but also not forgetting other aspects of life that you need to kind of strive to be better in. And for me, that's like from a spiritual point of view as well. So it's for me, it's not just about uh, how much we can earn or how much we can own. It's also about how much your mind is uh, in line with how things should be. Uh, 
So that's just that's just my stance on it. It's because that's not a, that's not a one hundred percent right. This the reason why I'm doing this is just for future generations so they can reap that because there's something bigger than that for me anyway. Just saying. Yeah, I back that. Um, yeah, no, I back that. One hundred percent because it's bigger than just us and wanting to go forward as a nation of, of people, but it can't just be solely for for our future generations. There's, there's a lot more to it. There's, there's masses of com- complexities to involve in that. But as T said, like that one step has to be one hundred has to be taken. One hundred has yeah. to be taken. I think I the, the way I explained it, I, I didn't mean to say solely for the future generation. We can still be reaping the benefits, but you won't see the, the, the margins that you would see in, say, 100 years. Yeah, yeah. If you get what I mean. So well, what I'm looking at is if combined all their net worth, that's a lot of money on the table here, mm-hmm. right? You could say, okay, let's start on film industry, you put in 100, I put in 100, I put in 100. 500 mil comes out straight away, right? It's not going to inconvenience you that much when you're worth 250, 300 million. For me and you, yes, it will do. But this is but, why... I, yeah, go on. This is why I said that it's easier said than done because we... Not that I'm aware of. None of us are in that situation. Like we don't know where our mind is going to be. If you've got that amount, like once you get that amount of money, you might like. I'd, I, I honestly, hand on heart, would want to say, well, I would want to kind of help and build. But when you get to that level where you've worked, they all these guys that you mentioned, they've worked hard. A lot of them might just say, well, I've worked hard for this, and then this is this is where we then start kind of siloing ourselves and kind of being insular i guess and then just looking after your own and we're not what i mean by that is just just your own immediate because you don't want to uh you don't want to lose what you think that you have even though even though there can be greater gain by combining our mind or it's evident that people's minds shut off when they get to a certain level of status or certain level of finance or, or finance or wealth or wealth where it's like, okay, I'm just going to keep building and building for me, just me and my my own personal generation. So there's there's alert. What I'm trying to say is there's there's more than just kind of getting your heads together and to think, okay, you've got this money, I've got that money, let's put it together. As actually thinking like making sure that we understand why 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 you're taking a hit or what it might be seen yeah. as taking a hit from like millions of or hundreds of thousands or millions, but actually how that can actually benefit greater. But question to you, but with that mindset, what about the people that will go and maybe some viewers will go, what are you moaning for? You you got Jay-Z, you've got you've got Dr. Dre, you've got Diddy. What would be your answer response to that? Sorry, I'm gonna bring you back right there, Ems. Um for me, we're talking about just numbers. A pound ten pounds is better than a pound. Hundred pounds is better than ten. A thousand is better than hundred, right? And the list goes on. What I mean is, if I give you an example, a more realistic example, my parents are here, they sacrifice what they have to send money back home, right? I'm sure most of you are the same. Your parents would have been sending money back home to look after whether they're their, their parents or their siblings, right? 
they're taking a hit. Because a thousand pounds to me is just as valuable as hundred million to one of them. Same value. Because that's what that's all I have. I don't want to lose it. But what do I do when I get a phone call from back home saying, listen, there's a situation here. I'm like, okay, yeah, no problem. There's 150, there's 200. Sort it out. So to me, I hear you like, it's more political, but I think we make it more political. I think we make it more complicated than it is. It's a decision of, as if you had a thousand pounds, it's still the same because that's all you have. And sometimes you've got to make those sacrifices. I'm sorry, that's, that's my view. I'm not forcing that on you, but that's my view on that situation. I hear you. I just think when you get to that level of wealth, things change because when you're in that industry, when you're in the music sport, whatever, it's not like you're doing a nine to five. And what you, and, and when you, well, this is probably what someone kind of alluded to in terms of the things that you may have to do to kind of, it's that mindset of kind of, well, if something, if you were to do that, how quick is it to get what they call blackboard or blacklisted? Like where you can, where Denzel can never do a movie again if he made a certain choice to do that at the start of his career or halfway through his career, what whilst he's at his peak. So you're, so I agree with everything that you're saying, but I'm just saying when, when you're in those positions, other things are going to play into your mind. And it depends on how strong you are and kind of how, I guess, smart you are and, and just uh, tech, tactical with your money, I guess, and with your mind and with your people is that it's not like, so you mentioned about kind of like a thousand pound or a hundred pound. Well, if most, if you were to lose your job, uh, for for a lot of people, you can kind of just go and get, go and get another one. But when you're at that level of status of celebrity or kind of just uh, notoriety, where by the flick of the switch, because we don't control those kind of the the we don't control the control zone basically, where someone can just like go right, make sure that he never ever plays a role ever again. Like they're they're the type of battles that they have to face at that level. So. There's only a few that are at the moment, and we are, we used kind of someone like Joe Budden. Maybe you can say uh, Dave Chappelle back in the day, but I, I haven't done as much research. But it, then, it now comes down to who's really about it, because once people start throwing things or threats or maybe smear campaigns, like you mentioned before, you're, it's not as simple as that. Like you're, you're, it's up, it's about kind of how are you going to deal with that type of backlash if you're going to make a decision to kind of pull money together and whatnot so once again i totally agree with what you're saying but i just think it's more complex like it's easy for us to kind of look up and go oh why don't this do this why don't do that but we have to understand that we haven't like they say like with more money comes more doors and opportunities and stuff like that so we don't even know kind of the mindset or the level that these people are on we know that they look like us and they obviously come from us the majority of them but unless you've experienced kind of that level, it's, it's hard to kind of fully say, well, or, or just make that. But in an ideal world, I totally agree with what you're saying. I'm just thinking, I'm, I'm just thinking about the people that get there and from the outside looking in, like I think just before the podcast, uh, we started recording, we were speaking about like Floyd Mayweather and like saying like the things that he does or doesn't do, but that's only based on what we see from a social media aspect. You know what mm. I mean? So it's, it's a mad one, but the, the the most important part, and going back to my point about not just being about like the material parts as well, it's about how much you're really about it mentally, for me anyway. 
because there's so many dimensions and um but the, the the concept I totally agree. And even if we and even if people who listen do that at even at I guess our level, it can make a difference. But it's just that we haven't been exposed to generational kind of changing wealth. Mm. So we're talk, we're talking about people that have that and what they should do with it because we don't have that. You know what I mean? So it's it's a mm. it's a hard one, but if there's a few people out there that can think like that at that level, or or I personally believe there's more people starting to think like that, then that's only going to benefit us. So yeah. Um, to answer your question, Ems, that you posed you posed just just a little while ago about well, people say, "Why are you complaining for? You got the Diddies and you got the Dr. Dre's and you got the the Jay Z's." If you look at all these men, yeah. And all these companies, so for example, Bad Boy Records, yeah? You would say, who's the owner of Bad Boy Records? It's P. Diddy, yeah? But Mm -hmm. who owns the company that Bad Boy Records is a subsidiary of? Yeah, that that I wouldn't know. Probably one of the major, uh, like a Sony or Universal. You're, You're correct, it's Sony. You get what I'm saying? Uh, Dr. Dre, Aftermath, what company is that a subsidiary of? Universal. Universal. And none none of these people, none of the people that look like us own those companies. And that's where the money goes first before it gets trickled down to these guys. So these guys might be rich, living lavish, but there's still someone above them who's getting the slice of that cake before they do. The thing is, Jay, not just a slice, the, right a bigger piece. Yes, as sorry, a, 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 definitely a bigger bit. Yeah, and this just leads into the percentages that I said earlier around around NBC Universal. This is this is on such a higher level; it's ridiculous. Do not, people, listeners, everyone who's got ears to this right now, do not be so harsh on a group of people that have come from nothing, or sorry, not come from nothing, but come from a lot, had a lot taken, and now have nothing, and then are expected to thrive. We are talking about a population that goes into the millions within the UK, millions within the US. To, to pick out a group of 10, 20, even of 100, even a 1,000 really good, successful black people, so therefore you can't complain, you have no empathy and sympathy whatsoever for what has been done and what is currently being done and the current climate that we are in. Do not give me a hundred successful people and expect me to be happy that the millions are not doing so well, are struggling. Do, when that number gets flipped around, then I'll be happy. When it's the millions that are doing successful and doing well and a few thousand aren't doing so well, then I'll be happy. But until that date, don't come to me with, oh, but Jay-Z, oh, but this, oh, but that. Get out of here, man. This is not about individuals. It's about upbringing of a a nation. Jeez. That's that's real rap right there, boy. That is real rap right there. I think that's probably the perfect time to take a quick intermission. Do you know what I'm saying? Make sure you lick that like button. You slap up that subscribe button, you know, follow us, share us, comment, and we'll be back.